0: Log Talk Radio. Quarters, security condition three.
1: GQ, security three, sir. General quarters three, intruder alert. GQ three, intruder alert. That's right, folks. Boys and girls, hep cats, hep kittens. Intruder alert, and here we are. Hey, welcome once again to Madam Perry's Salon, the podcast with more celebrity guests, then the inauguration. Hey, thank you all who have been subscribing, who have been sharing. Um, I know I thank you all the time because uh, I, cause I feel it all the time and because you support me and help me to continue to have a cool guest for you. And if there's anybody that I haven't had that you want me to have, you know, message me or, or call in and let me know. I'm happy to bring new people. Sometimes they entertain you. Sometimes they're to inform you, maybe give you a different point of view. Uh, but I think I've been very, very fortunate to meet some of the coolest people in the universe. Uh, by the way, I want to say this too. Um, somebody asked me about this today. I will go. I will be back in Amsterdam in September for the IBC convention, the biggest entertainment and broadcast and media uh, convention in the world, or trade show in the world, I believe it is. Um, I'm also going to be speaking at some bookstores there. On uh, how to be your own publicist, and pardon me if I'm if I'm uh, breaking up here, but um, I've got a dog licking my arm, so and and he can push my roll around chair too. But I have made an offer that, uh, as I said, I was I'm going to be speaking. You know, I have a book called Sell Your Books Today. And it's for to teach authors to and musicians to how to do DIY publicity if you can't afford a publicist. And it's um, $4.99. It's an ebook. But I'm going to be speaking at some bookstores in Amsterdam and in the Hague um, in September um, about the same subject to uh, to authors and so forth. And if you want, here's the, here's here's the payoff if you want me to deliver in person your cds or your books and some collateral like bookmarks or postcards or flyers or whatever to bookstores and record stores in amsterdam in september message me it's uh, it costs a lot less than you think um, um, i've got a couple of different plans because i want to make it easy for everybody to have their books and music hand delivered to stores in amsterdam and uh, just let me know. You can check my website, lonewolfcom.net. That's L-O-N-E-W-O-L-F-C-O-M-M, as in Mary, Mary dot net Or find me on Facebook, Jennifer Modette Perry, Madam Perry, or Lone Wolf Communications. And we will get that set up. Coming soon, uh, we're going to have August McLaughlin uh, with her brand-new book, Girl Boner. And I think she has a podcast of the same name. That's going to be a fun show. Um got a lot of cool stuff coming up but right now i'm i'm so excited this is someone who's been here before and if i'm if i'm a if i do my job right he'll be here again he's an author who has a fresh novel you know him from the fabulous folks at crystal lake publishing everything out of crystal lake publishing is a winner there is not a clunker in the bunch um a lot of their authors have been on here. Jasper Bark, uh, Mark Gunnels. Uh I can't even think of them on now. If I start getting excited, these are some of the best books ever. And so tonight, returning to talk about his brand-new book, A Season in Hell, and he's got also going to talk about a, a new anthology coming from Crystal Lake Publishing, is my dear pal and writer that keeps me... Um, Keeps me under the sheets with a flashlight, even at my age. Kenneth W. Kane, welcome back to the Genie Bottle.
2: Uh, thank you for having me.
1: I am delighted. Good always. Good, good. You have, uh, you've been getting around, getting, the, making the rounds on the publicity with this book, and uh, which is, yeah. it's just just launched, A Season in Hell. Um, it's just published, right?
2: Oh, it actually is officially published uh, September 7th. Right now there's a pre-order. The pre-order is ninety-nine. It's digital only for now. Uh, so it's a $0.99 cent pre-order and then once on a, on, we reach uh, September 7th, the price goes up. So it's on sale for the entire pre-order.
1: Ah, I see. Get in quick and uh, get in quick and get the deal. All right. That's good to know. Listen, uh, before Hell. I gotta tell you, I was um, uh, someone else who's been on the show, with Bram Stoker Award winner, and a friend of yours. I know. I had a review and uh, or about you, and I've I just I love this woman so much, Mercedes Murdoch Yardley, author of Pretty Little Dead yeah. Girls.
2: She uh, said she's a fantastic writer.
1: Oh God, yeah, she's she is, and. Fantastic person, too. You know, just, uh, but she, I've I got to read her quote. She says, Kenneth W. Kane takes timely social topics and explores them against the backdrop of America's pastime. We're talking about a season in hell. What begins as a baseball story quickly delves into something rich and dark. And, um, and then I see something else on Goodreads is that for a season in hell, rarely does a book actually break me. There are a lot of books that make me stop and go, oh my God, what did I just read? But not many that make me feel broken. A deep down soulful broken. And that's, uh, that was a Goodreads review. Which means you really yeah. got to somebody.
0: <laughs>
2: this one, this one's really- been getting really good uh, feedback since, since it's been out there. So, uh, you know, there's some pre-readers and there's been beta readers and And, uh, and, you know, Joe from Crystal Lake read it, and it's just giving – the feedback I'm getting is phenomenal, and I'm I'm really – I couldn't be more pleased. I mean, it's humbling to hear those kind of words. Um, You know, you write because you want to elicit a certain emotion from your readers, and when you you hit the target, it just feels great.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh, it must be. And you know about (laughs) – and you know about hitting the target. You know about hitting it in baseball, and in writing, Ken, because uh it c I, I can't find I cannot find anything that anybody not that I want to, but when I look up and do some research on guests and what's been written and, and reviews and so forth, you really make an impact on people. And I wonder sometimes if you read these things and sit back and go, I make them feel like that. And it's gotta be a it's gotta be pretty um I don't know. I, uh, spine tingling. I don't know for you or or uh, exciting, humbling. Uh, gotta be psyched. It,
2: it's more humbling than anything. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got a little bit of an allergy thing that going today, so i have a little coffee, uh, But uh, um, it, it's it's more humbling than anything. And I, I do read them, but I, I am probably the worst person for that kind of stuff because I am like the worst critic of my of myself. <laughs> So, I, I, uh, so when somebody says something like that, I'm like, oh, come on, come on, you know, it's just me. And, uh, so, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to to read those words about your work. Like, I don't like going back and looking at my own work. Um, I typically, whatever I do, that's usually a mistake because I usually want to change things. So, so I'm like, I'm, very much uh, humbled by it all. Whenever somebody leaves a review like that, it just almost brings me to tears.
1: <laughs> how does it? Um, how many times, how, how hard are you on yourself as, as writing and then rewriting and editing? I mean, how long does it take? Because you're such a prolific writer.
2: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot harder when I started. You know, I, I had these ideas that I, know, uh, I'm going to write this book and, and this book and this story
1: and I'm going to make a million dollars
2: because everybody's going to love my work so much they're going to all buy it, and they're going to think I'm the greatest writer since Stephen King. You know, every writer that comes in has that on their mind, you know. And then, like, within the first two weeks when you get, you know, you get paid for your first story, and it's not even close to, you know, you could go out treat your family to McDonald's maybe if you're lucky. But when that happens, you you kind of get a, a you know a rude awakening, and you're like, oh, okay, so this is going to take a lot more work. And and I think that's where like you see a lot of people get published early on, and then they start to drop off. They start to realize how much work it really is. And uh, I've been I've been doing this for ten years now, and I am more in it now than ever. So I put a lot of work into into every story that I write now. Um, you know, looking at subtext, like where I want to give like a hint of something that's going to happen. Um, you know, I'll just drop like a, you know foreshadowing or um the way I you layer certain things it's It's all about trying to get to that end of the story in the right way, so I'll do a lot of edits. I know some people can write they can write a story in one sitting and and not edit it at all, and that's fantastic that they're that way but i I need to go back and I need to analyze my my writing you know repeatedly um hopefully someday that changes. <laughs> But I'm, I'm happy with the
1: way I do things now. So <laughs> now that's interesting. could you say you go back and analyze it? What What do you look for? What are you wary of? What catches your attention? And I'm asking this because I'm not a fiction writer. I'm amazed at you people that can do this and and grab somebody and break them down the, the way you do, uh, and, and just just and hold us because I I can't imagine. I write humorous essays. That's what I, and, and I do copy for people. You know, film uh <laughs> Film premieres or stuff, but to do what you do what what kind of things do you look for when you're analyzing
2: well uh, so i've often made this uh this um analogy to uh the opening ceremonies for the Olympics, you know where they they have that torch and they're running that torch to the olympic stadium and they'll pass it off from one person to the next to the next. it all the way across um i don't i don't know what the official distance that they they travel with it, but it, it, I know it changes hands several times. And uh, mm-hmm. and so if they drop it, it's it's done. So you know what I mean? So <laughs> the, It's very important they don't drop that torch, you know? <laughs> so writing a story is, is no different. Uh, you have these different pieces of your story, and, and there's a torch being passed from one piece to the next piece. It's actually paragraphs or even sentences um i I was lucky enough to attend borderlands boot camp at the uh, beginning of last year and um and uh oh gonna have a little bit of a blank here peter strop was uh, was the main uh author there. oh wow um, and, and he's he's just phenomenal and he said some things that just like you know I've, I've thought about them over and over again about how he writes and and things we should look for um you know, how, how the words look when you're just staring at the page and, and how one sentence flows into the next and how a paragraph flows into the next paragraph and how two paragraphs flow into the next paragraph and how a, a chapter flows into the next chapter and and, and or a scene flows into the next scene, And it's things that, like that that have really kind of, you know, taken over my thought process and the final edits of the story. Um, you know, I want that torch to be handed off from sentence to sentence to sentence. And I don't want to lose the reader. Um, you know, sometimes I'll start a story and it might, you know, people, I've had people read, uh, for instance, one of the stories out of the embers. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I forget what it's called at the moment, but they've read it and they said, this is just your, within the first couple of paragraphs, they go, this is just your average zombie story. Only it's not a zombie story at all. And the thing is, is I'm trying to carry the reader to a certain place. I'm starting in a place I want them to think it's a zombie story, and uh, and it's all about you know taking that torch to the end. And, and you know, if they still think it's a zombie story, they're good. <laughs> but that's not my intention. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, boy. Now that I, that makes me feel the energy and the momentum, the way you described, like you know, the torch, the torch's path. Yeah, between story to story lines, is chapter to chapter. And, uh, whoa. wow. By the way, this is a good time to say, if you're listening live here to Madam Perry's salon, and we're talking to Kenneth Kane, you can call in and talk. You can ask Kenneth a question. Uh, you can ask him why he does something, what he does. You can congratulate him on his new book. The number is 646 716 It's a toll-free call in the continental U.S., and that is, again, uh, 646-716-9922. All right, so tell us about Season in Hell. What's it about? Where would you get the idea? And, And what, without giving away the really good stuff, just tease us, what can we expect?
2: Well, it, it's, it's obviously a story, uh, you know. It, it does involve baseball, but while the wrapper of the story is baseball, it, it really dives more into, uh, you know, uh, in, into equality. Um, and it's, it's all about a woman named Keisha Green trying to play baseball in the minor leagues in the in the nineties. And it's told through the perspective of a uh, a, a man named Dylan Peterson who's coming up you know, through the, through the system with her and he has to watch and see what she goes through. You know, you're talking about a time, um, you know, so at that time, you know, I don't know. I mean, there were women playing men's sports and everything, but I think, um, men were more free with their words and what they would say, you know, being mean. And, um, (laughs) And so I think that a woman playing baseball at that time would have to go through quite a bit. It would be really hard on her. And, Mm uh, you know, I got the idea when I was one of my very first teams, there was a girl playing baseball on the team. And I remember the boys like constantly teasing her, constantly putting her down. And all she wanted to do was play baseball. And I've Mm -hmm. always kind of retained that memory and what she went through. And I kind of translated it into like, um, you know, nowadays, you know, Gender equality is, is a is a big topic in the United States. I mean, it's it's uh, and it's it's mm-hmm. a very broad topic. So I mean, I think I hit on something that is you know current. You know, pulling from my own memories and from my own experiences, mm-hmm. and wrapping them in the game that I love and, and know well, and trying to show how hard life can be.
1: Yeah, and it's a good thing too, and it's always good. You know, I've uh as I get to know some of you authors who have been on here before and been um, such a big support of the show and I've read your work, you know, you get to know, um, I think you get to know something about the type of people that they are. And I would say about you, as I say of my husband, and I hope this doesn't come out wrong, but we, we consider a man like you to be the more evolved of your species. In other words, you get it. You're woke about women's issues because when you talk about this with the woman, people being free with things that they said and just happens to be, uh, I, I was just reading, just finished reading an unfinished life. Uh, it's Otis reading *An unfinished life by Jonathan Gould. And he's talking about the differences. He goes back into a lot of history, um, about how, you know, racial differences and, and how people treated people. And he said, you know, when the first time Aretha Franklin was going to work with stacks and they went to muscle shows recording, and then there was some kind of problem. Um, they said Aretha wanted didn't want to work with them, and uh, and of course the conversation that was overheard by the people said, well, some, she said something about somebody you know patted her on the ass, but we don't know who did it. But even if somebody did, I mean, would it be such a bad, big deal? You think? Yes, it would be a big deal if some. I mean, this is young woman, but she's not going to uh, take that. Um, I've got somebody calling in. Uh, and told me that it would be about Aretha. But, yeah, people just thought, well, like it didn't really matter. You know, it wasn't that big of well, a I think
2: that I think that it's a different time now. I mean, I think that there was a time mm-hmm. period where that was more accepted and women took it, and, and now oh, they're starting yeah. to come out and say, hey, we're not going to take it anymore. So, yeah, I mean, that's the way it should be. I mean, they
1: shouldn't have to take it. <laughs> hey, you know, I've got somebody uh, getting ready to come in here in the uh, okay. in the Genie bottle. Uh, Come on in. Welcome to Madam Perry's Salon. I'm here with Kenneth Kane. Come on in. Hello.
3: I've just been listening to the show a bit. I saw Kenneth Kane was going to be on the show tonight and thought I would call in and say congratulations on the forthcoming release. And this is actually one of your fellow authors, Tommy B. Smith. So I know that uh, Crystal Lake Publishing does some good work. And you put out a very nice dark fiction collection last year, Embers, which I enjoyed. So good to see you're still doing it. Oh uh, thank you so much. And and I look forward to reading your book. Yes, thank you very much.
1: Oh thanks Tommy. Thank you so much for calling. And by the way, Tommy's gonna be here. Uh your book you've got a new book coming out with uh, also with Crystal Lake Publishing. You're gonna be here in September.
3: Yes, I'll I'll be back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he's gonna be he's gonna be in the sink that you're in right now, Kenneth, so uh, you can tell him it's not <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, it's, not. it's very me back thing. and it's a lot of fun. It's
1: a lot of fun. <laughs> Good. I'm not as mean as I look, Tommy. So.
3: <laughs> well, but it sounds like All an right. interesting premise you've got going for the new book. So uh look forward to getting in on the pre-order for that one as well.
1: Uh,
2: thank you. Thank you. I very much appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, thanks so much. Are you going to hang around or, or are you going to – uh go probably going probably going to go
3: eat some supper shortly, so uh <laughs> okay. but i will I'll bounce in and out is listening to the show and oh. uh hearing what you have to say
1: <gasps> all right, so thank uh, you so look much for the
3: rest of the show, so take oh. care of yourselves and have a good rest of the night
1: thank you thank you. Tommy B. Smith, that is so cool. Another fine author from Crystal Lake Publishing. Um, like I said, they don't put out Joe Meinhardt doesn't put out any clunkers, does he? No, definitely not. <laughs> okay, so where were we?
0: Yeah, so I mean, we
2: were talking about something that's interesting. Um, you know, so
1: touching on this briefly,
2: my my, you know, my dog Katie died yesterday. And, uh, yeah, sure. the thing of, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was a rough day <laughs> and I, and I mm-hmm. appreciate you like asking me if we'd be okay tonight. Um, but you know, the thing about her was, is she didn't care whether somebody was male or female or what color they were, or, um, whether they smelled different or, or whatever. She just loved everyone. I mean, she would literally yeah. like walk up to people and, and lay her chest across your chest and put her, oh my in, her God. neck over your neck. And she would give you a hug, and she wanted to be in her lap, she wanted to you know touch you, and she wanted to just love and i've always Aww. thought you know she was such a unique dog, and that there was a lesson that we humans could learn from a creature like that um, that could just love unconditionally without worrying about you know somebody's identity and I mean and um you know I, I understand I mean there, there was a time when when we really focused on those things and now we're starting to break away from that, which is great. Um, So, I I mean, just as one of those things that I've just always thought about. And so when I I had the, when the season in hell came to me, I just kind of put it all together and I was like, wow, this is really uh, making sense. It's enlightening me. And when you write something yourself, um, you know, putting yourself into it and you're learning from your own stories, it's just a magical experience, you know? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, the the comparison too with with Katie about how she treated people because I think there's a whole different world that that animals uh, speak or evolve on. Do um, you know the writer Rita Mae Brown? She I went to a lecture she gave once about how do we know what we know? Where she talked about animals and how they don't have to have the communication we have. They can just ghost and if they know who was somewhere, where they were, what they were thinking, where they were going what kind of mood they were in. And I think people who have dogs that take the time to pay attention and listen to them, see that, you know, that, that awareness. And. uh,
0: I agree. I agree. You
1: know, they know. I
2: Um, I think animals just have this perception. uh, I mean, uh, among themselves, um, you know, they, they just generally have a curiosity about each other. I mean, even if they don't get along, they have that curiosity. So, I mean, uh, and they just—I don't know. Uh, maybe, and I think that's why a lot of people identify with their pets more than they do humans. Sometimes, I mean, that's certainly not how it is in my case, but I do understand people that are that way for that reason. You know.
1: Yeah. Well, then again, we had one rescue that apparently he wandered up to a um, a pet resort, and uh, nobody—they couldn't find anybody to take. It. It's a full. Uh, purebred Pembroke corgi. Now, for if, if somebody to let a corgi go, I think they probably put that dog out. Or, I could tell when I wanted to give him a treat, have my hand behind my back with the treat he'd start growling, so he must have been uh, he might have just been tricked a lot and then Probably just said, "I'm out of here. I'm going to go to a resort, stay, plan my next move." He was adopted <laughs> a few times because they thought we were too old to adopt, and people kept taking him back, so we got him. And when we tried to find a name, we named him after uh, my best friend Kenya, who I don't know if you've ever met her on the show. She used to show up, show up a lot. Uh, he was just like her dad, you know. So I said, "If you keep acting like this, I'm going to name you Kenya's dad, Benny." And that's what we did. <laughs> and he was like, he was like Benny. In fact, in fact, when Kenya's ex-husband came over once. um, he went, I want to meet this dog, like Benny, my you know, his ex father in law. And well, you know, she you know how short corgies are. So Benny ran up and just talked to everybody else and was good. And when he saw this guy, he started growling at him. The guy jumped in the truck. He gotta jump in the truck. That dog's got legs two inches long, but he goes, but the guy goes, Benny never did like me. Benny always hated me. He didn't want me to marry his daughter. I'm going, This is a dog, but <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> See, it was yeah. that much life in it. It was like one soul and two bodies. <laughs> but let me tell you, but you do know a lot about baseball. And I was saying something last night at the beginning of the show when I was talking about you. I said, first of all, I love books that center around baseball. There is just, I can't name people's stats and, and careers and so forth, not very much. But I do, something about baseball and the game, there just seem to be so many undercurrents of um I don't know, relationships and, uh, the way things work, that to me just make it a wonderful world. Yeah. I mean, it's
2: that's the, the part of the conflict in, in this story in particular is like when, when you play for a team, it's kind of like a second family. Um, especially mm-hmm. when you play at that level, like I've played at, at pretty high levels of baseball throughout my years. I've played since I was like eight up until I was like 37. And, um, you know, you have this camaraderie amongst each other and you get to know people's personalities really well. And, you know, sometimes you don't always agree with those personalities. I mean, it could be like somebody you hate, but you're on a team together. So you're forced to interact with, with each other in a way that's almost like a business, like a job. You know, there, there are people at your job you may not like and you have to learn to deal with them in a, in a professional way. And um, I think that helps you grow as a human you know, and, and you're trying to reach a final goal together, and sometimes that can bring two people that don't get along together. So, and I think that often sports gets a bad rap, but there's, there's a lot of life lessons, like anything out there, I mean, just anything. There's life lessons in everything if you pay attention to them. And, uh, and sports gets a, you know, often athletes get a bad rap for a few bad apples, and that's really what it is, mm-hmm. you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> exactly you said it you got the you you got the nail on the head right there um uh, exactly a few bad apples and that's what gets all the attention and, and so forth that shouldn't um a friend of mine's father is uh well, was the um uh, vice president of publicity promotions for, or pr for i think the mets at one time and and the pirates too um and yeah, some great stories. Uh there's even his son wrote a book about um Roberto Clemente's bat that he hit the uh what it the four hundredth home run with and uh what was the real bat and some kind of a search for that. It's called uh <laughs> a drive to the gap. We have to get that. But we have somebody else coming to visit. And I believe this is our good friend uh and Arthur Carrie Azara. Hi Carrie. Hi. How are you doing? Doing great. I was just talking last night. You were he, You were the guest here last night, so it's like your your cushions is, should still be warm in here, your seat. So welcome. Come on in. I'd love for you to meet Kenneth Kane.
0: Yes, that's what I called. I'd
2: like to meet Kenneth. Oh, uh, Thank you. Uh, congratulations on the new book, by the way. I, I'm mm. sorry I didn't get a chance to call in yesterday, but we were going through,
0: you know, our, our dog's
2: <laughs> issues, so...
0: Yeah, that's what I heard. That's what I heard. Uh, no no worries. Um, and, and I'd like to hear more about what's uh, what's going on with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I, I have
2: uh, three books actually coming out this year. Uh, I think Madam Perry mentioned them. But I, I do have a season in hell, that which is you can pre-order right now. It's a novella with a baseball wrapper, but it's a much deeper concept. I have uh, an anthology that I edited coming out uh, uh, November 2nd. Uh, for Crystal Lake, Tales from the Lake, Volume Five. So keep an eye out for that. It's going to be awesome. And then I have my fourth collection of short stories coming out of December 7th,
0: through Crystal Lake, and it's called
2: Darker Days.
0: So mm, intriguing. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> meet too many people who uh, who write short stories. Um, it's good. To, it's good to know there is uh, someone else out there who's who's trying to do that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a weird thing because it,
2: you know a lot of authors will say there's not a lot of money in short stories, and, and that's true, but when I write, my process is very much not looking at uh, an end target for words. I let the story tell itself, and whatever,
1: however long it is, is
2: however long it is. I just keep writing every day. Every day I work
0: on the story, and,
2: and whatever, whatever it ends up being, it ends up being, you know?
0: Cool. No, well, you know, that's the free spirit in you. That's good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like that, yeah. Because, well, I think you both write short stories, but yeah, I like that thing with the, the story takes you the story takes And do you, do either of you find that uh, short stories? Because this is what I try to tell writers, but I don't, but maybe I'm wrong. That having a uh, submission or being participating in an anthology, a collection of short stories of other people, that that it helps introduce new readers to you In your work, and that follow you with other things too. I would agree with no, that. No, I,
2: I agree, yeah. You're, you're basically, with an anthology, you're getting a sample of several different authors, and you can, um, you know, get an idea of their writing stuff. And with an author's uh, own collection, you can get several short stories. Um, you know, some authors like to tell them all, um, you know, like all in the same world with the same characters, and they all relate to each other. Uh, and other authors like to just tell similar type stories, like they'll write all zombie stories. Or there's authors like me, I, I'd like to cast a wide net and tell a variety of different kinds of stories. And, you know, as you read my collections, you'll see that the stories still are tied together through these little threads, um, you know, of loss or of, uh, of um, homecoming and stuff like that. I'll, I'll tie the stories together that way. But I want to tell, you know, I want to tell science fiction stories and fantasy stories and horror stories yeah. and, and and literary stories, but I you know I always have that dark side to them they are they're always dark, which is why I use the title dark fiction and yes, the majority of what I write is under the horror genre but um I like to mix things up and, and I like to take my readers on a on a journey a, a very wide journey through a through a very you
1: know through the cosmos, so to say. <laughs> <laughs> if you gentlemen, I just want to make sure that people know that if you're listening live tonight, you want to talk to Kenneth Kane. Uh, the number is 646-716-9922 is a toll free call in the continental U.S. And guys, I have a message here from uh, not a baseball player but a sports guy. And uh, if you could just uh, hold on, I'm going to play a little quick message here and we'll be right back. I'm going to just mute you for a moment, but I promise not forever.
3: So, Chuck, talk to us about Fisdale being the Knicks' new coach. What's your uh, thoughts on that? Well, well, I'll, I'll tell you right now, Ernie, it don't matter who's going to coach this team. They don't got no talent on we it. And I don't, I don't really feel I talk... That's I don't feel I talk about the Knicks right don't now. want talk about lunch? No. <laughs> what would you like to talk about, Chuck? See, Ernie, I've been listening to a podcast called Madame Paris Salon. And I think Jennifer Perry, she's a great host. I mean, she got all best bestseller authors, rock star, produ- all the dip comedians. What about people you that can- don't have a <laughs> Here we go. I got Real, funny, ah, huh? Real funny. Real ah, funny. Ah, ah. But I think she's great, and I think people will love her show. She got a great laugh. She make- The laugh come out of nowhere, like an eagle come in there and just steal the whole show. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's not terrible.
1: <laughs> And there you go. Sometimes that's the best thing that can be said, is that you're not terrible. So, okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's the that's the reviews I'm looking for. The ones that say not terrible.
0: <laughs> Send more of those.
2: <laughs> I don't care if they're one star or two stars, as long as they say not terrible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, what, that's, what, that's the best I can hang on to. It's not such a high praise that I have to worry about, you know, maintaining something, you know. So a standard is like, okay, okay, I'm getting Think by. Crazy,
0: huh?
2: <laughs> the good thing about aiming those, you can always reach higher, easier. You know, <laughs> I'm just looking for reviews. If I get that, if there are four and five stars, then that's <laughs> great.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody is looking for reviews. And that's one thing I want to say, too, for people. And I've said this before. If you read a book, if you like a book, if you love a book or just like it, leave a review for the author. Sometimes people say, you know, I love somebody so much. I wish they'd write more. I wish I could see this. You know, the nicest thing you can do for an author is to leave a review. Um not just one that says it's not terrible, but yeah, leave a review. Same for, mu- same for musicians too. And everybody needs them, no matter who they are. Uh, they need them and yeah. appreciate them. And, and, have and buy the book. And don't don't
2: steal it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, don't I can't tell you. Often.
2: Like <laughs> I remember, like, a, like within like two weeks of my first published book, it was out everywhere for free.
0: <laughs>
2: huh? You know, it's just amazing how quickly I was tired. <laughs> but you know, it, I mean, most people are really good about that, I think.
1: <laughs> so you're not old, probably not old enough to remember. Ken as, you know, Abby, poet Abby Hoffman had a book, and the title was "and the big on the cover in big words: Steal this book." So you know the.
2: <laughs> I'm
0: pretty sure what i saying.
1: I <laughs> you know,
2: I think it was uh, I think it was Graham Masterson that that I was uh, I was pirated alongside, and I, I went to him, and I said, oh, my God, man, I said, uh, we've been pirated together, and he's like, oh, really, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> and he's like, it's so depressing, and uh he was like, well, welcome to the show, <laughs> he's like, that's just all part of it, you know, I was like, yeah, and he's like, the people who want to buy your books are going to buy your books, and that's just all there is to it,
0: so, mm. <laughs>
1: That's true. And too, sometimes when people get reviews, you know, when I've told uh, clients, authors or musicians, if they don't get a review or they don't get a good one or something, I go, look, if you, all you have was five stars, people would think it was fake. And when you get That's up, and, you know, this is what I, a client two years ago, it was pouting about something. I said, okay, who, who, who do you want to be on the level with? Was it John Grisham or, you know, Lisa Scottlini, whoever it is you want to be on the level with, do you want to be sitting around the, with them one day when you're all, you know, waiting backstage to go out and do the author breakfast at book expo and they're all telling their war stories and you don't have one, they're gonna take you out the parking lot and whip you, okay? You've got to have a war story to share with the big boys and girls that prove you earned your place there. Yeah,
0: otherwise it's at least the a- a slap at the back of the head at least.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yep. You
2: know, it, it's a very interesting thing because very early on, I, I, um, I saw somebody talk about, it, don't pay attention to reviews. And, and so I, I typically don't. Um, I was lucky to enough to get advice from, um, you know, some of the pros that are already out there on, on how I should handle, you know, the, the tough times. And, uh, you know, um, a a good, Good friend of mine, uh, Moore Castle, who's like an inspiration, and, uh, and has always been like a mentor to me. Um, he said, "No, don't worry about reviews. Don't worry about awards. Just enjoy the fact that you're writing, and that's what you love to do." Yeah. And uh, yeah. my wife recently reminded me of that. I mean, if everybody, if everybody wanted to give, if everybody loved your work so much that they give it five stars, then what would be the point in writing? I mean. Pr-
0: Part of what you want is to elicit well, – you want to win that, a high crowd. I wouldn't take it that far. If my writing was that good, everybody would give me five stars. I'd be pretty happy. To as soon, as, soon yeah. as you were honest reviews, yeah. I'd be pretty happy, Kenneth.
2: And, but, I mean, like even, even the best authors, the ones that we celebrate and, and read every year, I mean, like Stephen King and even farther back, all those – even the, the greatest have one-star
0: reviews and
2: two-star reviews and three-star reviews. So I, I mean, mean people think they are had, just
0: brilliant that they had reviews by stars for for Hemingway, but you know, there are people who don't like Hemingway, you know. Right.
2: Well they do now on Amazon. So I mean Amazon you can review all those old books now.
0: Yeah, and on Goodreads. That's true. But
2: um and yeah, there are people that don't like those and it's unbelievable to me. But at the same time yeah. if we were all created the same way and liked all the same things and you know, like if we all liked yeah. zombie stories and nothing else, yeah. then there'd be a ton of zombie stories and and it wouldn't be as fun writing just a, another zombie story. We're lucky that we have such diversity in um, in, in genres and in themes, and, and uh, we could write so much, you know, fiction that's just different from each other and goes to all corners of the cosmos and all yeah, sorts of ideas. Yeah, so, yeah it's clearly know, what,
0: you know, the, the themes that you have are clearly not the themes I have, and, and you know, that's not a, you know, they're just very different. You know, I mean, you're, you're, what you write, what you like to write, what you write um, is, you know, not something I would probably uh, venture into, but perhaps that's true of you in terms of what I write. So, you know.
2: Exactly. And people are just different and that's the beauty of it all. I mean, I love, I love seeing those reviews that are are different and say, you know, Hey, I got this, but I didn't get this. And then I got to rethink my strategy because I'm very much into like, you know, you know, having things appear one way and then having them end up a different way is uh, well. You always, want to make sure you know, your I,
0: audience is yeah. You want to make sure your your audience is, is understanding what you were trying to say. And if that's not true, then you have to really, you know, take that to heart a little bit and go back and maybe retool because you're not your message isn't getting across the way you want it to. That's exactly. you know, that can happen. You know, I, I also you know and, and you're and you guys are right. I mean, you know, you get a couple of poor reviews. You know, it it, it sort of you know, it sort of makes the other ones be more honest in, in, in a sense you know or, um, and, yeah. and I mean there are occasions when you get a bad review I mean mostly the advice is just the advice is just leave it alone but if you get a bad review where they say something that's truly really inaccurate and could you know uh, could kind of you know uh, foul the, the pool of people um, I think you, you, you might as a, you, know, you might want to at least make the correction but in a you know in a, in a very professional way
2: yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, um,
2: you know, I, I've always been under this belief that I write what I write, and, uh, you know, not everyone's going to get it. And, and, you know, that doesn't yeah. mean that I'm, like, thinking of myself, on a am putting myself up on a pedestal or whatever. It just means that some people just aren't going to enjoy the kind of thing I write. I grew up watching The Twilight Zone and One yeah. Step Be- Beyond and shows like that. So my writing very much reflects that which I love. Um, you know, having grown up on a steady diet of their shows, my writing very much reflects that. Uh, and also, you know, Dark Mirror, which is a, is a modern uh, representation of those types of series. Um, you know, I love those kinds of things. And that's what I like to write. And not everyone's going to want to be on the more cerebral side with their reading um, to try to, you know, to try to pick up the subtext and the foreshadowing and, and the layering of the story and see the story behind the story. Um, there's, a, there's a story that I, I had a class once with Gary Bronback who's an awesome writer, and uh, he, talked, he dissected the story by Raymond Carver called Little Things, and if you've ever read it, it's, it's, a, it's more of a literary story, and it's got a darkness to it, but it's, it wouldn't classify it as horror by any means, but if you read that story and see the story behind the story, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I I guess when I once I had that class it kind of just clicked in my head what I wanted to do, and I've always strived for that, for the most part. I mean I do write those stories that are straightforward and you know you can see everything that's happening, but I very much love that story within a story where where you have to be a little cerebral with with your reading. Uh huh.
1: Yeah, I think the fact that you said you know one of your influences was uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents as well. Um, the show, you know, I see that in your writing, and I see how you 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 do blend the need for, okay, I need some upfront entertainment, but some people that also want, they want some backstory, they want to feel like there's a depth that they've got a lot of layers going on there that they can feel maybe they would get them all maybe they don't but it, I think people enjoy that they feel like they're drawn into you know, the thing that
2: the thing that was incredible about Alfred Hitchcock is he could really pull you into the into the show. And you become, like, an active participant. And that's what you want to do as a, as a writer. You want, you want the reader to, to be part of the story, to be in there. I mean, not, not so much like a second-person you know, story, but you want them to be in the environment, part of the setting, mm-hmm. and moving with the characters. And, and then they feel, like, really connected to the story when you achieve that. And it's really hard to do. And I think that's, like, 10 years ago when I came into this, it was like, ah, it's, it's so easy. But now it's, it's so hard because you want to get them in there and you want to keep them there. You don't want them to come out of that story at all. You don't want to get them in there and stay in there, stay in that story. And then once yeah. the story's over, you want them to walk away to whatever they're doing for the day and go, "Man, that story was that that stuck with me." And uh, that's the goal, and and you know that's the high mark that you're aiming for as a writer. And so that's what I'm always looking to. To hit on is those notes that carry you to
1: the end of the song. Ah, uh-huh, yeah. That, yeah, that's what. Um, tell us about, we were talking about your season. You've got three projects coming up or to be published Season and Hill. Also, talk about uh, darker days.
2: Yeah, darker days. So, remember last year I had Embers. I came out of here and promoted Embers. Uh, yeah. you know, everything with Embers was about the light. And, uh, you know, burning and, you know, the warmth. And Darker Days is more about the cold and the dark. I mean, the, the, you know, like my first two collections were fresh, uh, These Old Tales and Fresh Cut Tales, and they played off of each other that way with a the theme. Um, embers, I wrote, you know, I have chronic pain issues. I have what's called ME, which is a rare form of fibromyalgia. And who knows what that is? I mean, it seems like they, they say everything is fibromyalgia these days. <laughs> But when I wrote the stories for Embers, most of those stories were written during a very good time when I wasn't feeling a lot of pain. And Darker Days is the exact opposite. I was writing a lot of those stories when I was feeling a great deal of pain. And, and some of those stories were like 50-word notes that I've kind of had to build up over time. And they were much more yeah. difficult to write. So it's a, it's a contrast. So this one is, I think it's 25 stories. Let me see if I can look that up. But this one, I think, is going to be, you know, it has... It has a Few more reprints than Embers did, mm-hmm. and uh, you know a few more reprints, and it's just so it has 26 short stories, and I'm not sure how many of those are reprints, but it's a few, <laughs> a handful.
1: <laughs> um, but there's a lot of new
2: stuff there that should uh, be entertaining, I think.
1: All right, I've got a few more minutes here with Kenneth uh, Kane, and also we're hanging out with us here in the genie bottle is Carrie Azara, and if you want to talk to Kenneth, the number is 646-716-9922. And I do have a call for you here. Hi, welcome to Madam Perry's salon. And uh, do you have a question for Kenneth Kane? Awesome. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, that's just the genre.
2: I love that kind of stuff.
0: (laughs) Didn't we have one last time,
2: too, that was cool like that? I like that stuff.
1: Who was it? Was it? I don't know if it was. Can't remember. Was it you, or um? Oh gosh, I know it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't Jasper Bark, um, another uh, horror writer. And when I had to call, I had the 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 Murder Girls. uh, You know, we are going to kill the little twins. We are going to kill them. That was the last time
2: I was on. I loved it. It was
1: cool. Yes. That was you, and you know what you said when I said I'm so sorry that it never happens, and you said, "Oh, it happens to me all the time." <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think people just know what I meant to, Uh maybe they're they're calling it, you know, funny. I love that kind of stuff, so you know, that stuff is at
0: all.
1: One of your friends called in last night, uh, uh, that uh, all of your friends, uh, yeah, I've just come to dearly love William Her. So what a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, I mean uh I, I, I never get tired of like just talking craft or anything. So uh, those people I mean <laughs> you know I'm very approachable and I like talking about writing. As you can tell I'm very passionate about it and and I, I don't mind that I love I love a good joke too, so that stuff is always good for me.
1: <laughs> uh, I know you but, do
0: you Kenneth know, <clears throat> <throat> Kenneth, did you get any uh, of your dogs into any of your stories?
2: Uh I <sighs> I'm not sure if I have a lot. I mean, look, I don't think I have any dog stories in this one. I, I, I do have dog stories, but they're more uh, literary type things, and uh-huh. I have not finished them uh, as of yet. I, I do have a story about um, my, one of my last dogs, not, not one of my current dogs. It was the one that just passed away, but a, a one a way back she had uh, cancer, and um, I had to go say goodbye to her, and, yeah. you know, she was dying, and uh, she had no strength. And I showed up, and she looked. She picked up her head and looked at me, and I said, get better, and I'll take you for one more walk. And she got up and went to the door and waited for me. Uh, <laughs> she wanted me to walk her, and I walked her that one last time. And, and that's what this oh, story is about. Oh, honey. Oh, Yeah, story. I mean, it was such a powerful thing. And yeah. uh, I mean, I've yeah. almost done this story, but it's just uh, so her name was Bijou, and uh, I saw pictures of her today. as We were going through looking for pictures of Katie to make a little scrapbook. And it just reminded me of that, you know, it was just wonderful times. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, I I
2: can relate to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> some of us really get that. Of course what I have was when, when at one time we had four at once. We didn't mean to we didn't m- mean for this to happen, but we had four <laughs> Welsh Pembroke Corgis at one time. And actually I felt more like what is that story uh, movie The Village of the Dam, Children of the Dam with uh, George Sanders. I felt like the school teacher. <laughs> The school, remember the school teachers that those little kids went to stay with, and she took care of them and did things for her, and they would, you know, how they would do their little stare. That was me with four corgis. I was a teacher in the village of the dam, but it's okay. It's a good life. I don't mind it. I, I worked well with it. Uh, um, all right, so Kenneth, are you going to be out on tour, uh, different stores, uh, traveling the world with your book, or traveling the the uh, country?
2: Probably not. Probably not that. Um, I mean, I, do, I will have like giveaways of. Uh... I have some some uh, physical copies of uh, Season and Health, um that I, that Joe's helped me out with, and I'll be giving those away as we get closer. It's on Facebook and on Twitter. So, um, you know, keep an eye out for that.
1: Um, All right, please do. But, and if you don't mind, give us a call so we can give it away from the show, too, when you're ready to do that. Okay, sure. Yeah, we can give away I
2: don't one. I'm really on the show, you. sure. Okay.
0: Just, that just that be cool. Send
2: me a note to remember. I have, I have a, a okay. log.
0: Actually, let me just put no, it on nice, there. Nice, nice to be with you tonight, uh,
2: Ken. Take care. Oh, thank you very much. And congratulations on the new book.
1: Thank you again. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Carrie, for hanging with us. Um, no worries. All right. Wish you all the best. And, of course, if you're in the Boston or Newton area, uh, Carrie has a book launch party, and I do mean party with pizza and live music and fun and prizes, uh, this Saturday from 1 to 4 at the New England Mobile Book Fair and the Marshall's Plaza in Newton. if I got that right, Carrie?
0: Yes, everything except the time. It's 1 to 3. We don't want people to come one late to and not, not get pizza. Okay. Got to come early to get well, your pizza.
1: <laughs> 1 to 3. Okay, well, let me tell you, New England Book Fair has it as 1 to 4 on their thing, So, and it's, and it's kid-friendly. Well, you know um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I'm willing to hang the around. stripper so. gone. Mm-hmm. Okay. as <laughs> <Until laughs> the stripper's gone, it's kid-friendly, and the burlesque girls, and we'll all be fine. And... Um, yeah, that's it. Hey guys, thank you so much and and uh for being here. Kenneth Kane, much success to you. I, I am just uh so proud to be in the world with you. And somehow I think that um I don't know if you know-